Alexa, what temperature is it? Right now, it's 16 degrees. Tonight, expect a low of 6 degrees. 16 degrees, my who? Uh, this this may or may not make the show bill, but uh, I wanna I wanna complain. This isn't on the show notes. Okay. But I'd like to start with complaining to warm up the voice. Uh, I was like I just said to you, uh, I've started running again, and I've been doing some mm-hmm. serious kilometers. I think I ran something short of 150 kilometers last month. Which is, Jesus, which is really good for me. So I'm putting in some serious time, um, and I do all my running in a park close to us, and. I, I don't live in the best of areas. It's not the worst area, but it's not great. And every so often, you, you kind of are reminded of how bad the area is based on the level of delinquency that goes on in the park, particularly in August when there's like when the schools are out. So it happens all day. Um, mm-hmm. I went for my run yesterday and there were two separate packs of children, like say between the ages of like maybe 10 and like maybe 13, uh, building huge fires in the park. And one of them, one of them had, one pack had built fires up against trees, which was just like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. So I'm there running and I do my best to avoid them whenever this happens because it, the big packs of children are problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing a lap of the park. Uh, and uh, as I come around uh, one lap, uh, I see the fire brigade, brigade has showed up and they're extinguishing the fires and shooing away the children and that's fine that's grand and i walk around again uh, or i run around again and then the next time i come around the fire brigade is in like a standoff with the kids and the kids are like throwing rocks at the fire brigade over like this fence and it's like turned into like beirut like it's, it was awful and as i was running I, again i was doing my best to avoid the pack of kids but this one kid uh whilst throwing a rock at the fire uh the fireman he kind of stepped back and he bumped into me and like I was like watch it there pal and that's my exact quote and he f- he turns and like he was going to kill me like he was it's a prior proper like you watch it and I was like shit I better pick up my speed I ran a really great kilometer after that one but anyway so then I come around again and the pack of the fire brigade had moved on and the pack of children had moved up the park somewhat and the same kid is on a bike this time and he looks at his friend I'm coming at him he looks at his friend and he goes like, watch this. And then he cycles the bike straight at me. And like, I dodged him. But like, ha- had I been less aware, like I noticed that he had pointed to his friend, oh, I'm going to cause, cause ructions here. Uh, he would have just like, just completely clattered me. Like, and it's just, it's so bad. Like, it just, and it makes me so angry because it just destroys public facilities. And the poor fire brigade, like getting rocks thrown at them. Oh, it's awful, man. It's awful. So I just want to complain. And I want to also say thanks to the fire brigade for being class and like sorting out the area. But yeah, it's terrible stuff. Uh, that's Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, Jesus. it's not great. Now, one day I live in Kalini <laughs> and everything will be fine in the world. <laughs> yeah, but then it'll be surrounded by kind of people that live in like rich suburbs. Yeah, that'll be terrible. Th- that's fair. That's fair. Like, yeah, Bono is there, and that's that's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who uh, is not from Ireland, Kalini is like the uh, the the most affluent area of Dublin, where all the like Irish celebrities live. Um, and this brings me on to the uh, first actual official item of follow up, Bill. Mm-hmm. In the last episode, we talked about climbing things. You had climbed yeah. hills in Scotland. 
and I had, was on mm-hmm. rock climbing mountains uh, uh, around the world, <laughs> essentially. Uh, and I, I got thinking, I was like, oh, with, with, with the way I'm running now, um, I'm looking to run a marathon, number one, like really like up the game. And then I got thought to myself, if I like climbing mountains and hills and stuff, why don't I start running up hills? And then I discovered that there's this whole trail running community uh, in Ireland that you can join who like they just everyone gets carted out to some mountain and you you go run up the mountain. Um, And there's like a beginner's loop around Kalini, like that really affluent area um, that you can do. And it's not it's it's got a hundred meter uh, elevation increase over the run, and it's twelve kilometers, so it's not it's not ridiculously terrible, but it's not easy either. So I'm half thinking yeah. I might I might go end up going for a jog around Bono's back garden sometime. Um, might be a bit of crack, you know. That that way I can say I can run up mountains, not just climb them. So you wanna you wanna run up that hill. I want to run up the hill in preparation for running up the Sugarloaf. Again, for people who don't know, the Sugarloaf is a fairly big mountain in in Wicklow, County Wicklow, which is the next county down from Dublin, like so, south of Dublin. And I think it's about half a kilometre in the sky. So it'd be fun <laughs> if I was able to run up that guy, which is an official trail. Uh, but that might take Ooh. me many years of practice because that's that's not, not easy to do. Um so yeah, the last the last talk about big mountains got me inspired to run up them. If only you could make a deal with God and get him to swap our places. Get him to swap your places. Why would we swap our places? Do you want to run up a mountain? I'm not. I'm not going to explain that. That's an Easter egg for for any uh, for any eagle eared listeners. I'm just going to move on from that. Oh no! I want to know. This is terrible. Oh. <laughs> I hate when you do this. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, 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 oh. So one last thing again this is not in the show notes but it just popped in my head I want to complain about some Wikipedia anti-rural Ireland propaganda with regards to mountains hit me so the Sugarloaf again for people that's that's in County Wicklow and it's a, a mountain I think it's officially classed a mountain and it's about 500 something kilometres high Where I, it is not 500 kilometres high oh yet. sorry sorry f- sorry sorry <laughs> Five hundred meters, Bill. <laughs> oh God. Alright, so the Sugarloaf, five hundred kilometers high, um, is a mountain, right? And it's officially classed a mountain. According to Wikipedia, the Great Sugarloaf is also known as the Big Sugarloaf, or uh, often simply as the Sugarloaf. And it is a mountain in the east in the East County Wicklow and Ireland, right? Elevation five hundred and one meters, right? Now, where I grew okay. up in rural uh, Ireland in the west, there is a mountain right next to my house. Like literally, my backyard is the foothills of a mountain. Now, we've always referred to this thing as a mountain. It's called Schlievenairn, right? But if you go to Wikipedia and you look at Schlievenairn, I'll leave links in the show notes. It says, um, if I can find the page, hold on. Uh, give me a second. The Iron Mountain. That is so cool. Oh, balls. No way. Hold on. There was a. It hasn't changed, has it? Oh my God. Maybe it's changed. Okay, so I looked. So I so I looked I looked at this a while ago 
and it was like Schlievenir and a an, an imposing in quotes mountain was the quote from Wikipedia. And I was like, screw you, Wikipedia. What do you mean an in quotes mountain? Like it was real sassy on the part of Wikipedia. And I showed it to the captain <coughs> and we had a laugh about it and stuff, but now I can't find it. Oh man, that's terrible. Um Oh god, I'm gonna have to cut this now because I was really angry. I was like, if that if Schlieveneren was in Dublin, it would be like, oh, the the largest mountain in Ireland. But because it's in the West, it was all like, it was all like, it's a in quotes mountain. The rural people and their mountains. I was like, oh, very angry. But anyhow, so it's, that all is that needs to be written off. Oh no, it's it's still there if you go to the geography. Uh, okay, hold on, Schlieven. In the current, it's like the the geography headline. Yes, that's it. There we go. So, oh yes, I'm glad to sit here. So geography, Schlieven-Aaron is an imposing, in quotes, mountain. And I was like, oh my God, that's so derogatory Wikipedia. I hate you so much. So that needs to be removed. Someone please go to Wikipedia and edit that. It, it And oh, the, what makes this bad is that the elevation of it is 585 meters, right? Which mm-hmm. is a whole 84 meters larger than the sugar loaf. So if the sugar loaf is a mountain, then Schlieveneer is in this mountain, and we need to change this. I don't have the technical know-how to edit Wikipedia. Someone else do this. Uh, well, it needs to change. Okay, to play devil's advocate here, um, you're a lot further inland than the sugar loaf is, so it's it's less. It, it may be less high in relation to the surrounding landscape than the sugar loaf is. So it might be higher, but it might not be as tall. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look into the what what exactly determines mountains, but I don't know. Just on a first reading, it's 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 a bit derogatory when the second thing is taller. Like um, it is. No, I mean I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. I'm inclined to agree. Anyhow, so that riled, and I'm usually not like patriotic and stuff, but that one kind of really got. It's like the quotes, the quotation marks. It's an imposing mountain. Oh, just, what are you doing, Wikipedia? It's awful. Um, I do want to point out. You do that. If you go further down in the contents, section five of the article is in mythology, and section five point three says ancient aliens. No. Some fringe historians suggest a passage in the Book of Invasions concerning the appearance of the Tuatha Danann in Ireland records, in quotes, the arrival of aliens in spacecraft with cloaking devices, end quotes, at Schlievenaren. <laughs> Bad. That is class. Like, it's obviously hyper That's class. But that's, that's brilliant. There's a... It's very, very cool. And a, a somewhat less interesting, albeit more kind of legit story, is that on top of Shinevenaren, I used to climb the thing when I was younger. It's not a hard climb. You just walk up the thing. Um, and on, uh, like near the very, very top, there's this like big rock. And it looks really out of place. It's, uh, it's obviously been like spat up there by glaciers when they plowed through... Uh, the area but it looks really out of place now it's huge gigantic rock and nothing but like ferns uh surrounding it and the story is so our house sits in a valley between two mountains one is schlieveneer and, mm-hmm. and one is arigna and the story is that there was almost lord of the ring style uh giants fighting and they were one on each mountain and they're hurling rocks at one another as like projectile weapons and that was one of the like the projectiles that was thrown and as a kid like sitting on that rock and looking out over the lake and onto the other mountain. It just filled me with the greatest sense of awe. I was like, there were giant, like before I was born, there were giants here. And they like 
played had <laughs> war with one another and it's cool that was uh, young edgar really liked it <laughs> that's very cool anyhow 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 uh mountain talk uh do you have anything else to add about mountain talk or should we proceed on to like some actual world building uh i have nothing else to add about mountain talk so last video, last time, last podcast, uh, we talked about my video on alien atmospheres and uh, we had a conversation about the ice problem, like uh, this idea that hydrogen fluoride ice um, either uh, freezes, either sinks or freezes from the bottom up, like it does the opposite of water and how that would be very problematic. Um, uh, we, just, we just found out that uh, I had contacted my chemist friend uh, for clarif- clarification of this and it turns out like the idiot that I am I asked him what the crack is with hydrogen chloride I- hydrogen chlorine uh, hydrogen chloride ice and not hydrogen fluoride ice so that was a bit of a write-off on our part nevertheless we got some really cool pr- solutions from the subreddit uh, one that I thought was really class from resoc u slash resoc was the notion that uh, marine life would produce a sort of natural antifreeze. So even if stuff were to freeze around or whatever, they could just like thaw it out or whatever, um, which mm-hmm. I think is really cool. And it was very similar to a E dot price, E underscore dot underscore price, who had this notion of chemical thawing. Uh, in addition to loads of other cool ideas this person had, like uh, they had um, the notion of like marine creatures having hard skulls or horns to like, if the ice did sink they'd be able to like bash their way through it almost like a like an icebreaker boat which i thought was really cool and then uh a cryogenic freezing uh just like they go into stasis whenever like the temperature drops and they just i don't know maybe burrow uh burrow go into stasis everything freezes solid and come back out when it hasn't uh but mm-hmm. but i will have to talk to my chemist friend again because like i said like an idiot i asked them for hcl how to solve the HCL ice problem and not HF. So there will be more follow-up on that next time. Anything to add, Bill? <laughs> I have nothing to add. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, we had a big, log, big, big log all discussion about it, and it's just, it's all right off. Um, have you got anything to follow up on? Anything else other than the ice problem? Uh, we got a, another suggestion about underground astrology mm-hmm. from Gray Ackerman. Underground astrology being, do you want to give the uh, TLDR? So I think uh, two two podcast episodes ago, I spoke a bit about uh, the Binni, a group of people in one of my con worlds. And it was mentioned that they had uh, some kind of art or some kind of craft known as underground astrology mm-hmm. or translated as underground astrology and i did not explain what that was but i got uh, i wanted to hear what the listeners might interpret it as and um gray's suggestion was that it's divination from threads of silk in gemstones i guess that means flaws in gemstones uh, are the geometric patterns when light is shined through at specific angles such as asterisk and cat's eye gemstones and um, which that's pretty cool now I'm assuming that asterisk and cat's eye gemstones are particular ways of of carving them. That they're oh no, maybe not. Cat because well, I mean, I, cat's eye is an actual gem, isn't it? Maybe I asterisk is no idea. I'm googling now. Asterisk gemstone. 
Oh wow! Do these, do these cat's eye gemstones come out as being perfectly round? Surely they're machined uh, to be like that. I've no idea. Um, wow! So okay, asterism. I may have, maybe I read that wrong. Asterism gemstone is a phenomenon of gemstones experiencing a star-like concentration of reflected or refracted light when sharp, shaped, and polished rather than faceted. So yeah, it has to do with how they're how they're shaped. Oh, well, that, that, that doesn't make the theory any worse. Like, as in you take the gemstones, work it, and then uh, you'd read, read like, flaws or whatever, like, features in it based on the working. There could be a whole, like, ritual tied to it. It could be really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what I was thinking was that it would be uh, rendered difficult by the fact that you would have a control over what pr- effects it produces by the fact that you're shaping it. If you see what I mean, yeah, oh, man, you could, but you could easily like hand wave that away. As in, like, uh, the art of shaping it is part of the like magic. You know, only mm-hmm. only those with the select few ritual knowledge can shape yeah. this in order to like get a message from the rocks or whatever. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that it's it's th- yeah. There's a few ways to interpret that. That makes sense. Um, I, I like it. I think it's yes. really cool. The cat's eye effect it looks like it is p- natural. It arises from the structure of a material or from fibrous inclusions or cavities within the stone. So that's a natural one. Doesn't that look so badass? It looks very cool. Like I had no idea that that was a thing. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Huh. There you go. That, that, that's a really great suggestion. Uh, is it close to, to what you were thinking? Not at all. <laughs> it's class oh my god you know what's gonna happen Bill, right you're the thing you you were thinking is gonna like th- no offense at all to you right but it's gonna pale in comparison to what everyone's been putting forward because you know there's like this expectation thing where when, when a thing is hidden everyone's like oh my god it, it hasn't been talked about it must be the greatest thing ever it has to be better than all of the things discussed so far combined and then if you actually do go to reveal it, it might, everyone might be like oh i like gray's thing better possibly <laughs> secrecy is a double-edged sword i always think yeah you know, it, if you keep things secret there is a hype with it but also the expectations sometimes get out of hand really fast <laughs> Um, that's cool Any, anything else Dad? Uh that's everything on my end I think okay we should do I would like to do some shit flag corner um, yep but this is kind of like a, a double edged uh, shit flag corner in that it's both good flag and shit flag um, oh wow yeah we've got a best of both worlds here uh, in this one uh, the great the great hunt for the elusive flag from somewhere in Africa from last time Bill that you called for um, has been found and I'm gonna yes. but- I'm gonna butcher this but it's the Katumo Katumo state flag and Bill I need to complain right because you were like oh it was a, it was a terrible flag this is like it, it'll be in the show notes go check in the show notes uh, people this is not this is not by like we have reviewed so much worse flags than this so much worse <laughs> this is i see i com- compared to some of the nonsense we've looked at bill right this is practically fine art <laughs> from a design point of view 
there's a lot that it does right, but that that one image is ridiculous, and that uh, yeah, no, that just no. makes the whole thing absurd. The horse, the horse is ridiculous. To be fair, it, yeah. it is very ridiculous. It it really looks very very photoshop but like again it's this secrecy and expectation things you know you know the way like you paint an image of the thing and in my head i was kind of like oh it's going to be this utter disaster train wreck of a thing it's going to look like a meme or like you know that crappy internet aesthetic that you you often see it's going to look like that um but it was just like oh no it's a, it's 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 a fairly decent flag that they just made one one error on they stuck a a horse a photoshopped bronze horse with a rider on the uh hoist side of the thing i don't know i i, I think that's that's enough yeah and again it's it's not good uh, link to the stones people you can go check it out where is this place this place is in north somalia north somalia north somalia huh um oh there's a picture on the wikipedia page of people holding flags and they have strategically uh, excluded the horse <laughs> Or maybe, is this... maybe, or maybe that's just the Somali flag. I don't know, um, but I like the way that we designed. Is that, the... is that the women? The women, yes. The kind of four women. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's just the Somali flag. Ah, sugar. I was, I was thinking like, I love the way we don't, we don't speak of the horse. Don't mention the horse. Um, anyway, yeah. So that was that is the uh, the part of of flag corner. It's not a good flag. Um, the good part of flag corner. I was. Uh, oh, sorry. And w- want to thank uh, Asmodian underscore who who went and found it. it was, oh, it was... yeah. Sorry, Asmodian underscore of uh, Artifacting Podcast fame. Art- Artifacting Podcast highlights fame. Links in the show notes. You can <laughs> check it out. Um, thank you very much for that, Asmo. Um, I'm glad because I was at the end of the show. I was like, oh, I really want to know uh, what this flag is, and I thought it wouldn't be found. So well done. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that is the bad, the bad side of uh, Flag Corner. The good side of Flag Corner is I was uh, knocking around Reddit uh, recently, I think within the last, I don't know, like two weeks or so. And a person, uh, some designer from somewhere, uh, took it upon themselves to design a set of flags for the various municipalities in Iceland who apparently do not have flags. Um, so okay. this person was creating original content from scratch uh, and was basing it off loosely off the seals um, that the various municipalities have. Uh, and to, to credit this guy, this is, the, and to credit this person, this is you slash be nimble, be quick, <laughs> which is a great name. Uh, Can I open so, this up now? So o- Open it up. This will be in the show notes for you guys. I think this is class. I think it's so, so good. Oh, cool. Yep. So overall, do you think it looks good? First impressions? Uh, first impression. Some of them are a bit busy, mm-hmm. but they're very. I mean, they're they're very clean and very um, straightforward. I know that sounds kind of strange to say that they're busy and they're straightforward, but like there there's few elements in most of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, some of them. Some of them are a lot better than others. Like if we mm-hmm. take a second row down. Uh, three in from the left like that isn't a great flag i don't think the kind of boxy one the one that looks like yeah the one that looks like you're uh you're hallucinating um like that (laughs) that isn't a great flag but something like say for example 
uh, one, two, three, four, five, sixth, a sixth row down at the very, very end, the one that looks a bit like the Seychelles. I think that's a class flag. I think it looks really yeah. good. Um, and the most impressive thing for me is the fact that they all kind of look uh, like a family, even though the color scheme is kind of, it's, it's not like this person hasn't limited themselves to like two or three colors. Like you've got reds, yellows, blues, blacks, whites. Like there's a whole bunch of colors in there, but yeah. they just all look like a family. And as well, they all There's a like, lot of white, blue and green. There is a lot of white, blue and green. Definitely, definitely. Um, but nevertheless, I think they all they all work together really well. So I think this is a great, just amazing thing. And it's, it's so cool seeing them place the seals next to the flag and seeing how they yeah. take a seal and turn it into a flag that isn't just a seal on a blank. I think this person has done an amazing job. Mm. Cool, um, yeah. I so approve. Yeah, links in the show notes. People can go check it out. Uh, you can use it as a bit of uh, flag flag inspiration if you are flag building. Um, yeah, anything else add? No, uh, just good work. Being in will be quick. Uh, so I've returned to Janspar. Okay, we, we, we won't know anything about what's going on. <laughs> and this is uh, a little bit about the funeral practices of one of the nations within Janspar. Cool, awesome. Let's, let's, let's go for it. The mountainous land of Talpa home to the barbaric race of the same name, is a curious place. The people there, of all mortality in Dutherim, are furthest from the glory of the peak. They were the last nation on the continent to abandon their ancient ways, and legends speak of great walls and fortresses barring the mountain passes between Talpa and neighboring lands to prevent them warring upon the nations below. Their worship is debased, closer to anti-sermal worship than true veneration of the peak. Their art is crude, presenting the gods in simple forms without regard for their glory, but it is in their deaths that they commit the greatest offence against the faithful. It is well understood that the civilised people of Janspar differ greatly in their death rites. The feasts and pyres of Pircho are as different from the lengthy funerary processions of Salaka as they are from the infamous dirges of the Shibani. In Jufain, the funeral is an affair only for the deceased and the priests. In Fitzili, the entire community aid in carrying the body in its funerary boat and burning it on a river or at sea. However, with the sole exception of Talpa, all enlightened nations of Janspar know that to allow a mortal to leave this worldly existence, their body must be cremated. In Talpa, it is not so, a mountainous land with thin soil, the death priests of Talpa lack the wood to build funeral pyres. In place of proper rites, the bodies are laid in towers adjoining to their temples. These curious structures, open to the sky, allow the carrion birds inhabiting that country to descend and feast upon the flesh of the deceased. This practice, clearly anti sermal in its origin, persists to this day despite centuries of knowledge of the peak. After the bodies have been stripped of all flesh, the bones are retrieved by the priests and taken into the deep recesses of their temples. It is not known how they are disposed of thereafter, 
though rumours abound of the priests fashioning bone tools and ornaments, or grinding them up to use in foul magics. Luowen Pamphlet, AR 1655. Alright, so death rites. Uh, first question is, why death rites? Um, it's just a, a thing I had in my mind for a while. Uh, I haven't spoken much, if at all, about this country before, uh, but that was one of the the ideas I had for Talpa, is that instead of cremating their deceased, as is practiced in most of the Anspar, they perform this sort of uh, sky burial. Yeah, I don't think we have heard from the Talpa at all. I think this is the first time. Um, okay. The sky burial thing, uh, that's, this sounds familiar. Uh, is, I think this is based off real life. Um, yeah, so sky burial, as far as I know, I'm not going to present myself as an expert or anything here, but as far as I understand, is practiced in Tibet. Hmm. Um, uh, and again, it's it's for the same reasons. Like they, the, 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 traditionally, I think they didn't have a lot of wood for cremation. There isn't a lot of soil there to bury people in. Um, at least that's my understanding of it. That may not be the case, but uh, what what they do do, or what I've heard that that is practiced there, is the bodies are left on mountainsides for um, vultures and things, and then the bones are retrieved, which is pretty cool. And a, a pretty compelling image. And the the thing about the towers is something similar was practiced in, I think, ancient Persia. They were called... Um, well, in, it, there's a weird thing. There was like some Orientalist in relatively modern times called them the Towers of Silence, but I think he just made up that name. Uh, but that's what they're known as in scholarship for some reason. Um, so there was Towers of Silence that were like built out um, outside of towns and they were like open topped towers so that vultures could get inside and and eat the eat the flesh. That, that was how they disposed of their dead. That's the thing that I remember. That sound that sounds familiar. The Tibet the Tibet thing I didn't know about, but that sounds familiar. Um yeah, and your thing is almost exactly like real. It's almost a direct analog aside from the obviously grinding up to use in magics. Um the uh, the, the wood uh, cultures like Tibet or Persia, so as far as you know, would they use the bones uh, afterwards for like bone tools, I've... like you say, or is that an invention of yours? Absolutely no idea. Also, also bear in mind that this is some guy who clearly doesn't particularly like the the Talpan people saying that they do that. So you know, unreliable narrator as as is common. Uh, th- that's fair, that's fair. Um, two things on that. Uh, I have been listening, I mentioned this in the last show, uh, I've been listening to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful podcast, everyone should go listen to it, and listen to it now, because uh, they have a habit of um, monetizing their back catalogue, so the older stuff you have to pay for. So, listen to it now while it's free. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, I was listening to the thing, a thing on the Achaemenid Persians recently. And okay. uh, <laughs> apparently the main source we have from that era is a guy called Herodotus. 
Now I'm not I'm not great on my history from this 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 uh, this era and that that neck of the world uh, world, um. But apparently, yeah, it's Herodotus, and apparently he is horrifically unreliable. And every second sentence is Dan Carlin saying, and this is what Herodotus has said, but bear in mind, it's Herodotus. And I kept thinking, like, oh, it's, it's Bill. This is what Bill does. <laughs> all that's, of, that's the aesthetic I'm going for. <laughs> all of Bill's characters are effectively Herodotus. <laughs> uh, and the other thing is, I was watching uh, a Netflix series... Um, uh, over the past number of days called Dark Tourism or Dark Tourist. I can't remember exactly what it was called. Um, cool. And it's it's, it's uh, basically this dude who's a poor man's Louis Theroux uh, goes around the world to like uh, dark tourist uh, attractions. Um, mm-hmm. like, the, like things that are macabre or dangerous and things like that. And uh, one of the episodes, uh, which relates his whole debt rights thing, uh, was in Indonesia on... I can't remember the island, but it's not Java and it's not Bali because I would have remembered that because I've been there. Um, but on one of the islands, the the the, the death custom is that uh, when it, they, they don't they don't view life and death as being kind of very on off like either you're alive or you're dead. They view it more like once you die, you're kind of like transitioning to death. So it's like um, uh, they they think they use more terms like the person is sleeping and things like that. Or they never really truly die, and it's, it's a very interesting concept. And they take the, the person who's dead, they they mummify them, um, or like um, or whatever it is, they they make sure they don't rot or whatever. They'll bury them, and then every year they'll dig them back up again, give them a clean down, uh, you know, present gifts and 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 tokens and various things that they might need in the afterlife and all sorts of jazz, and then put them back in the ground. And that happens every year. And there's a big like festival and there's like animal sacrifice and all sort of jazz and uh on the in the documentary they um they uh unearth uh, unearth like a 17 a, a woman who had been dead for 17 years and which was just it was amazing to watch because they all the locals were perfectly okay with death and they were perfectly like what's what's so abnormal about this like what you know uh, and the guy who was given the documentary the documentarian was like so put out by this because we live this overly sanitized life uh, in the West. Like we don't ever see death. We don't, we know nothing of death. And he couldn't mm-hmm. deal with being confronted with it. And the Indonesians were just like, yeah, man, it's grand. We shut up. Like what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I thought that was a very interesting death ritual. Uh, and, it, and your piece made me think of that. Cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, as always, uh, what are your what are your thoughts? You always nearly have something that I can't pick out on that you you mention. Um, I don't I don't think I do. I mean, it's it's a pretty short one this month, I'm afraid. Um. Uh oh, there is there is one small thing. Um, where did I write this here? Uh, legends speak of great walls and fortresses barring the mountain passes between Talpa and neighboring lands to prevent them warring upon the nations below. Now, the obvious thing people are going to pick up on there is Game of Thrones. Is is it obvious? Well, like the the wall. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fair, yeah, yeah. But you're wrong. If that's what you think. <laughs> uh, I originally got that idea uh, years and years ago. There's a a story 
that Alexander the Great, I think, built a huge wall to block off the nations of Gog and Magog from the rest of the world. And that's what originally gave me the idea for for this story within Yanspar. Um, uh, what are those nations? What is Gaul and Magol or whatever it is? Gog and Magog. They're mentioned in the Bible. They're mentioned in the Book of Revelations, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like sort of horrible, warlike nations, kind of evil countries. Um, and I don't know how the Alexander the Great thing got tied into it. But there is some legend from somewhere that while he was conquering across uh, Persia, he went to Gog and Magog, and he like there was a a wall built around them. Um, yeah, yeah. To repel but, them. but as in, like, where would they be in modern times? Oh, I um, they're not like an actual place, but I think they're meant to be like the Caucasus or something. Okay, all right, okay, that's fair. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure of that though. Matt, what's uh, because again, I'm not I'm not great with my history, and I've only just begun to really get into it with with this Dan Carden thing, um, and he has begun mentioning stuff about Alexander the Great. Yeah, what, what's the shtick with this guy? Do do we like him? Is he generally accepted as being like a a good guy of history, or is he an evil guy? Or I know that he like was undefeated, uh, and I, I think he was a drunk. Um, <laughs> Those are like, the, the, there's one thing for sure, the first thing, and the second thing I believe is correct, but that's really all I know about him. Uh, um, like, like, is he like the Greek Hitler? Or is he like, I don't know, like the I'm Greek like, George you, Washington? How do you how do you define good or bad when you were dealing with history that long ago? Um, whether he was Greek is kind of a point of contention, because he, uh, he was Macedonian which were sort of, I think they were, broadly speaking, part of the Hellenic world at the time, but they were kind of seen as being outsiders, or seen right. as being a bit barbaric compared to other uh, Hellenic nations, I think. Okay. Um, and he, yeah, I mean, he, he accomplished an unbelievable amount in a fairly short life. I mean, he lived till his mid-30s, I think. Oh right. Um oh. Yeah, yeah, like he died he died quite young and he had he basically got as far as India. Oh so really? He conquered he conquered Greece. Um which as as I said he was kind of an outsider to. Um so I'm interested to get, what age was he when he died? Uh Well and what did he die of? Doesn't say. Um oh I'm not sure. Uh I I, I did know at one point, but I can't remember. Um he was 32 when he died. That was it. Jesus, God. He died of malaria. Yeah. According looks to like. People. Yeah. So he, he conquered Greece. Uh, so that was like, you know, Athens and Sparta and like all those kind of powerful Greek nations. He conquered Egypt. So a lot of the stuff we think of in Egyptian history, like Cleopatra and stuff, Cleopatra was Greek. Right. Okay. She she was, uh, damn, there's a, there's a name for it. The I think Ptolemaic is that what what the the dynasty was that no they idea. were essentially they they were descended from Greeks they weren't kind of native um, Egyptians they had been a they they, they were an invasion an invasive 
uh, they were an an invader uh, dynasty. Uh, and he conquered the Persian Empire, which at that time went kind of from Turkey. So he, like, he conquered all of Turkey, which is in a small country. Um, the modern Middle East, modern Iran, and a large part of Pakistan. And like, I think he got pretty much to what the, the border of India now is. And like, is the only reason this stopped? Because he died. Uh, well, his armies began to to mutiny. I think, or they began to become very discontent because they'd been campaigning for well over a decade, and they're like, "We are t- so far away from home. Can we please go home?" <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's bad. Um, so yeah, I think he d- he he destroyed the Iranian Empire, which was a huge, huge deal. Uh, like the Iranian Empire was a huge deal. Um, and then the his empire didn't outlive his death. It, it was broken up into four or five different empires, one of which was uh, Egypt, which eventually became the kind of Ptolemaic dynasty and Cleopatra and all that hundreds mm. of years later. Um, there was a couple kind of then taken over from Persia. Uh, I, can't, I, I think there was five in total, something like that. Um but yeah, hmm. he was a fascinating dude. Oh, yeah. Again, I'm going to push you on this, but I, and I know it's hard to answer, but like, surely there must be general sort of ideas to if this guy was good or bad. Like, as in, when he brought empire across the world, were the people under his reign better off or worse off? Because in the way, like with the, with the Persians, when the Persians came along and... Uh, like the Achaemenid Persians, and they took out Assyria and all of that. They replaced a like horrific regime with something that was comparatively much better. Like not good, mm-hmm. but comparatively much better. So one can say, and I think most people do say that, like the Persian was like Persian Empire was quite that particular Persian Empire was quite inclusive, and uh, you know there was a lot that's of, Cyrus. Uh, yeah, it's it's yes, I think Cyrus started it, and then it was like. Darius and it, all the way up to Xerxes. Um, right. Did Xerxes mess it up? I can't remember. I can't remember. But so, do we have a similar thing with Alexander? Like, did 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 his empire was it was it a net improvement for the world, or do you do you have any idea about this? I don't know. I I would guess my, my guess would be no because he messed up the Persian Empire, which, as you said, had a lot of good stuff going for it. Hmm. Um, and also. He took something. He took a stable status quo and, like, caused it to be at war for about a decade, and then died and replaced it with chaos because there, there was a power vacuum there. Um. So I guess, in terms of quality of life for the people in his parts of the world, um, probably a net negative. Okay, hold on. Um, <laughs> the f- when you Google was Alexander the Great, the first suggestion is uh, Greek or Macedonian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you see that that's that's a that's a, a thing at the moment because the the Greeks want to claim him as their kind of culture, and the Macedonians want to claim him as their culture. But modern Macedonia and like Hellenic era Macedonia are quite distinct. But also, he wasn't really Greek at that time. So, yeah, but it was kinda... it, was there even a Greek at that time? 
Like, because I thought uh, when we say, you know, when we think Greek and we think like Spartan and all that sort of jazz, um, yeah. the impression I get is that really what it is is just a load of like city states. Like, there is no homogenous Greece. Do you know what I mean? There's not a homogenous kind of single polity, but they had a shared language and there was a degree oh, okay. of a, sh- there was a largely shared culture. Right. Okay. 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 That makes sense. Um, yeah. If anyone knows, if anyone's an Alexander the Great fan, uh, Tell me about this person, um, mm. because I because it smells of again because I know literally nothing about him. It smells an awful lot like because he was on the side of like Western powers, so to speak. He gets labeled the Great in many ways, like the Persian Empire gets dismissed uh, because they mm-hmm. were not Western. And yeah, Alexander the Great smells of an awful lot of kind of like I was great because he was on our team, uh, and I wonder is that the case. Um, yeah, there's a sort of a Western chauvinism in, in, at play. Yeah, and I, I, whether I don't know if there is, but it smells of it. Like it really smells mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. Um, anyhow, back to debt rising. Very cool, man. Very very cool. Um, Thank you very I, much. I like the assimilation of uh, the real world elements. Uh, I like that you know that there is um, complexity and not all the same. Um, yeah, really really cool. Have you got anything else to add? I think that is everything cool shall I think, we i think that is everything shall we do some uh edgar world building let's yes let's move on to edgar or rather conning uh so as always i made a video that video uh was called verbal aspect and navajo madness so uh and so this is a video uh, about uh, verbal aspect and uh, as always, I've got some corrections coming up here. First one comes, there are loads of people pointing this out, like every Italian in the world pointed this out. But uh, the one I noted was Mr. Atomic Kragstan uh, from, <laughs> from YouTube, who said that uh, my conjugation of the, of the Italian imperfetto was incorrect. Uh, the third person ending is meant to be A-V-A and not A-V-A-M. I just misspelled that, so apologies to that. Right. Uh, which, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to, like, say it's okay, Edgar, to myself, but it's not the worst mistake in the world. Uh, and the, po- <laughs> the, po- the point still stands that it, it you know, it, it, the point I was making still holds. Um, now, the big, 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 big correction I t- need to make, and this one I am f- truly sorry for, uh, comes via Aaron Otto, and this is on uh, he's uh, on YouTube. And I'm just going to read his words straight out because I think that they're really well put. Um, I really like the channel. I just wish, as I am a Native American, you would have not used such a stereotypical phrase in the Navajo example to show your point. I know this was not intentional and you meant nothing by it. It just jumped out as me as an interesting choice to use a stereotype like that to illustrate the point. Thank you for your great content and continued education. So, Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I uh, for those who haven't seen the video, there's a there's a big uh, the title is obviously called uh, Navajo Madness, so there's a huge emphasis on the Navajo language. And one of the examples I give, uh, I think uh, in English it 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 uh, it reads as "When my husband drinks, I leave," which is a pretty dark thing. And I kind of clocked it when I was in the research. I was like, "That's very very dark," but like uh, I didn't have anything else because I was going on. The sources I was going on, and that was what was there, and it was the clearest example of the the, the, the distinction between the usitative and the iterative a- aspect. Again, watch the video for context on that. Um, but it turns out, 
I did not notice that Native Americans apparently are seen, uh, the stereotype of Native Americans is uh, drunk, uh, like, wife beaters. Um, and I didn't know that, I realized that at all. I thought the stereotype was that all Native Americans are, like, uh, hippies who are in tune with the earth. I did not realize that there was this other stereotype. Um, so I, I inadvertently played into that, and I'm very, very sorry, and I had no idea. But I want to thank Aaron Otto for being cool and not like shouting at me and understanding that like hey this he doesn't know he's not from america he doesn't know and just pointing it out and being like you know really sound about it and uh i, I left the response and he responded again and the entire time he was just lovely about it. uh and that's great so yeah heads up on that people there's a stereotype there be warned but proceed with caution yeah fair enough yeah and um, um, yeah that, that was a stereotype i was aware of um yeah the man it's it literally it never crossed my my mind at all like, I, maybe mm-hmm. I, ju- I just think of americans uh native americans as being like the pocahontas thing like i think of like that's how people view native americans and i know that that's, that's wrong. the stereotype you're familiar with yeah 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 and i knew that was wrong because that's just it paints an over a simplistic uh it paints an entire culture with the same brush over simplistically but mm-hmm. i had i never heard of like the alcohol abuse and the domestic violence um at all so yeah you learn something new on the internet and sometimes you have to learn it publicly and that's terrible <laughs> um yeah uh this is a cool video thanks man yeah sorry so those are two corrections what do you think what questions have you got periphrasis periphrasis okay which is using a word to indicate something that could otherwise be indi- indicated by inflection. Yeah, a word or words. Okay, C- can that be, like, limited or defined a little bit more? Because surely you could, in theory, do everything with inflection. It's just the language chooses not to. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a really interesting question, actually. That's not a thing that I've, even, I've ever considered. Uh, I don't know if there's a more defined thing of that. Hold on. Periphrasis. Like, is, are there other conditions to put onto that? Uh, I don't know. No, I'm looking through it here, and most of them, most of the things just basically say what I said. But, like, yeah, you're right, you need to constrain a little bit more, because otherwise the whole bleeding sentence could be considered to be playing into this periphrasis thing. Um, uh, I don't know how that constraint would happen. I don't know what constitutes the words that would otherwise be conveyed by an inflection. Uh, but yeah, there must be a more high level uh, definition of it. Or some kind of context to that that I'm missing. Like words that like could be conflated by inflection according to how things are already inflected in the language. Uh, oh yeah, that would be one way of looking at it. But then that, that, that definition would not hold up for like English because we do very little inflection anyways. Uh, like we can't go like, oh, the would have been is periphrasis because it could otherwise be conveyed by x inflection we don't have that inflection we just have the words um so i don't know it's problematic maybe it's so problematic that that's why we have an open-ended definition of it i don't know um Mm. yeah i don't know any other questions on that or anything else on the periphrasis uh nothing else in the periphrasis Uh, i strongly strongly encourage people to read Aspect by Bernard Comrie. It's a great book. 
Um, I know I mentioned this at the end of the video, but seriously, go check it out. It's like got everything you need to know about, uh, about Aspect. And every single source on the internet that talks about Aspect is referring to that book. Uh, I, found, I found it mind-blowing. Like every time I found a thing, it'd be like, major source, Comrie, Aspect, 1976. So that's like the go-to thing if you want to learn about it. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Cool. Um, one, one last point, uh, real quickly. I just think it was a really cool thing because it's, uh, it's uh, Irish-related. Um, mm-hmm. In Irish, there's a cool aspectual thing. This got cut from the video because of time reasons. Um, but we'd say something like time... Uh, correct my Irish, I'm wrong here, Bill, but we'd say something like ta she in a, in a he. Yeah? Yeah, he, he is, is sitting. He is sitting uh, ta she in a he. And English speakers will be like, he is sitting is progressive. Like he is in the, the, like the, progress, the process of sitting right now. But in Irish, it glosses almost like he is in his sitting like he is located mm. in his sitting and there's this cool thing that like scott uh scots gaelic and welsh and irish does and i'm sure other languages as well but those are ones noted in the literature of this sort of low uh conflating location and the progressive aspect and i think that's really really cool uh there are some german dialects that do similar like you might say like ich bin am essen uh which is like i am eating uh, but mm. it's more like I am at the eating, like you lo- yeah. you're located at the eating. Um, and for anyone who's going to cite that as being uh, a mark against me with regards to the statement that German doesn't have aspect, it's a dialect, not standard German. That's a very important thing to remember. Um, but might be a cool thing for Conlanger is this idea of locating, like I am in the eating. I am mm-hmm. with the speaking, like that's really a really cool thing to like wrap up into aspect and, and uh, deliver. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool. So is, is habitual be an aspect then? What's habitual be? Sentence. Give me a sentence. Um, so it's, it's a thing that you have in African-American vernacular English and you have something very similar in Irish English or in Hiberno English, which is I be something. So, like, I I be going to school, is that that habitually you go to school, or the way you'd say it in Irish English is I do be. Oh, it could be, or it could just be progressive, couldn't it? Um. So yeah, but it's 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 an aspect thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, as far as I'm aware, I do not purport to have yeah. any knowledge of African American vernacular English, but it sounds very aspecty. But you speak uh, fluent Hiberno English. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I don't say I do be going to the shop. Like, that's not part of my lingo. <laughs> like, right. I've heard, but it's I've a heard... thing you're familiar with. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I old have... people speaking like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear it a lot. I, I, I remember hearing it a lot in the third person. Like, he does be doing this. Or yeah. He does be, he does, I, I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it in the first person. Like, I do be going to the shop. That's weird to me. Whereas Really? Third no, person. Sounds, it sounds like an old person to me, but it's definitely some, something that, that's familiar. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely an old thing. It's definitely an old thing. But yes, that that sound that sounds like aspect to me. But anyone who's more familiar with like these things uh, can let me know um, if if it is anything else. Um, so yeah, that's my aspect video. Um, should we do a bit of green room? All right. Okay. What have you been watching? Uh, well, I know what you've been watching. Uh, well, how? Why would you know such a thing, Bill? Uh, from the references in your video. I would never put in uh, ham-fisted references <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, so what do you think of Steven Universe? Steve, uh, what do you think I think of Steven Universe? I think you like it, but maybe with a few reservations. I, it, it takes a while to get going, and it can be a little... It, it takes a little while to find its feet, so it, it can be kind of a little bit annoying or something in, in the very early episodes. Um, so I think that might be might be a reservation that you have. Okay. Uh, all right. So any other reservations, or should I give you my thing? Um... I'm not sure. Not nothing. I'm willing to commit to. Okay, so uh, your reservation is uh, completely unjustified. Uh, had you not told me that it, it takes a while to get going, I wouldn't even have noticed. Um, I, I what episode am I on? I must be on like episode thirty something, maybe. Uh, yeah, you haven't finished season one. I have not finished season one, and uh, sadly. Oh boy. Oh boy. Sadly, I can only do season one because there's only season one on Netflix. There, at a point, yeah. there's five seasons, but they're not on Netflix. That's terrible. What's with that? None of them. None of them are as long as season one, though. The rest of them are much shorter seasons. Okay, like I'd rather not pirate them, but I don't know. I might have to. Um, but um, yeah. So I didn't think it was annoying. I didn't think it took a long time to get going. I thought it was grand. Again, coming from Star Trek land, where many seasons of mediocre television are t- totally okay. This was not a problem. Uh, <laughs> I think. I think Steven Universe so far is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. There is no reservations whatsoever. It's just the most joyous. <laughs> it's just the most feel-good, joyous bit of like candy floss ever. It is fantastic, and it's. It, I have I have bonded with Steven. Like I like myself, the captain, watching it, and like so often we we pause and and we're like, Steven is you, Edgar. You, you are Stephen, this sort of like naive, sort of overly happy, bouncy person who just always sees the positives and is like a half the time unaware of his surroundings and will just like, I don't know, say or do things that like real adults will not say or do. Like that's totally me. And I just, I've completely <laughs> imprinted on Stephen. Uh, something serious. The, um, on a more serious note, the, the, gender, the gender politics is good in it. Mm-hmm. I think because we live in a world, despite it being 2018, we live in a world where one cannot openly talk about, like, say, like uh, trans issues and, uh, yeah, mainly trans issues, but also to a certain degree, like, like women and things like that. We can't, you can't talk about them too openly because, again, like, it, the thing is ran by men. And as such, uh, people need to get very creative. And I think the way the people who made Steven Universe have framed the discussion of these points is so brilliantly creative. Like this, like the songs, you know, you know, like giant. Sorry, I pulled up my headphone jack. Can you go from framed, please? Uh, how, yeah, how do you, I basically said how they frame it is very, very creative. And then do you know the giant woman song? I love giant woman. I think that's, I think that's a brilliant episode and it's a great song. It's a great song and it's a brilliant episode. And if you listen to the lyrics, the lyrics are very kind of trans. Um, and, that's it's okay like as in like they, they have found this creative outlet to try and like get this across and I think that's as in cool. the line uh if it were me i know i'd surely be a giant woman yeah yeah and I'm, I'm assuming that's deliberate like maybe it's not but i read it as being it's it's kind of like uh kind of uh letting opening up uh kids television to this concept that there are yeah. trans people in the world. And i think that's great i think it's really done really really well and it's done in a real 
it's some real positive, happy, inclusive. It's just, man, it's just, it's just class. <laughs> just, I love it so much. I, I wouldn't have read that as directly as that. Um, but I, w- I would have read it as Stephen being comfortable with nonconformity, with gender nonconformity, that he's not th- threatened in his masculine identity by like by femininity or by being feminine right but uh, so it's 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 not exactly the same but it's 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 going the same direction right exactly and it's still yeah. it's still delivering it to an audience that otherwise may not have uh, heard that yeah um, and I, again i think it's done in a very creative way because had they just been like had they spelled it out exactly mm. I think uh, a lot of people would have had problems with it and there might have been like a huge backlash and all the sort of usual crap that happens. Um, and uh, they've, done, they've done it so well. And the, the, is it Rebecca? Mm-hmm. Rebecca Sugar? The person who's yeah. responsible for it? Like, she seems just great. <laughs> like, I've heard her sing Giant Robin a couple of times and she seems just like a class human being. <laughs> uh, so the whole thing is just amazing. I think the characters are great. Um yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm so, yeah, I love it. I think it's just such a great show. I'm so glad I started watching it and I cannot wait to finish it, uh, finish it off and see what the crack is. It's really great. Uh, it, it gets so much better as well. Like, it, it gets so much more interesting and so much more nuanced. Yeah, I've, I have, like, I felt it getting to that point, you know, like uh, the last mm-hmm. episode we watched was the one where Connie, uh, Connie's parents wanted to meet Stephen and his parents. Oh, Fusion Cuisine. Uh, I, I don't look at the episode names. It could be that. It, and it's where they all, they all combine all three of them into a big giant scary <laughs> woman. And Wait, where go, you meet Alexandrite for the first time. Yeah. 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 And where they go, they go for dinner together and things like that. And that was a more nuanced discussion about like, you know, nuclear family versus modern uh, families and things like that and mm-hmm. whereas at the start it was very much just like fun and games with the gems and now i'm beginning to see yeah. how there's like s- serious commentary creeping in here yeah um well it's so- it's a story about a, a, a young boy being raised by his three mums yeah but he also is his mum kind of <laughs> which is mad and i love his dad as well his dad is just class <laughs> Yeah, Greg's a great character. Just, Greg's a great character. He's just the great character. Like it, um, and like, and the thing is, like, he's not played off as a idiot, right? Because again, you could see it going away where it's kind of like um, the three the three moms are like like super powerful, super wonderful, and things like that. And then let's all make fun of the lad. But like, there are loads of times where he uh, comes to Steve and gives him great advice. And yeah. it's real. It's real. Like is is a real good um, force in Stephen's life, and he's real sweet and real caring. And it kind of it forces you to look beyond, like you know, a, a guy with long hair who's balding. You know, like you look at that, yeah. and you're kind of like, oh, what a washed up a slob of a guy. But then you realize he's actually not a washed up slob. He's actually a, a really complex, nuanced person with valuable things to say. It's just class, man. The whole thing is great. <laughs> Oh, I love it so much. Um, You're welcome. So, yeah, no, no, seriously, thank you. Uh, and I will, I'll let you know what I think about when I finish it. But I, I doubt at this stage, I don't think there's anything's going to change my mind. I think it's just, it's just, it's just brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. Have you, have you seen the one with um, Stephen and the Stevens? Yeah, where he goes back in time. 
Yeah, that's that's so dark. <laughs> yeah, man, it is, but it's also hilarious at the same time. Oh no, it's it's, it's also brilliant and hilarious. Really yeah, serious as well. Some gets really real serious. Um, yeah, like even in the even in the episode with Alexandra, the, the is that the name of the big the big one? Um, yeah, the 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 fusion. Yeah, the big fusion. Yeah. Um, even in that, like, it's all, like, really funny, as in, like, oh, the gems are trying to, you know, pull their stuff together for, for Stephen and things like that, and, like, oh, they, yeah. can't, they can't do it, and slap the comedy and all that, but at the same time, there's a real, like, a, like dark sort of, uh, as in, like, Stephen realising that he might be really abnormal because he doesn't have a nuclear family, and it's real sad, like. Yeah. Some real sad bits. Not not that it's sad that a person doesn't have a nuclear family, but more like this kid has become sad because society tells him that that's the way it yeah. should be. And like it switches from like dark to light to like comedy to like seriousness. It's just and all in like ten minutes, man. Like it's just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. <laughs> um, but anyhow, anyhow, I, I, I'm not gonna like uh, what's called gush all over Steven Universe for the rest of this podcast. Do you want to tell me about this franchise in quotes that you've been watching? Uh, you you haven't been on Facebook recently. I have stopped using Facebook because Facebook is dirt. Cool. So you <laughs> won't have seen any of my statuses about the the series I've been watching. No, I've seen nothing, man. Cool. So I've been watching uh, an action <laughs> film series recently. Okay. Would you care to guess what 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 it is? Uh, is it on Netflix? Several of the films are on Netflix, yes. Not all of them. Oh, oh, so it's a film series. Uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, no, no. But, weapon. Uh, no, you're getting a bit further away there. Die Hard. James no. Bond. Uh, Austin Powers. Think, uh, <laughs> think more recent than that. Okay, the first film came out in 2001. Oh God! Oh, Jesus. There man. are now there are now eight films in the series. So far, they're making more. Okay, and here's another clue. One of the main stars died. Hold on, hold while on. While making one of the films, is it American Pie? <laughs> that noted bastion of action cinema. Uh okay. Hold hold on, hold on. <gasps> is it The Fast and the Furious? It's the Fast and the Furious. Now, I only got that because I googled a uh, list of feature film series with eight entries. <laughs> uh, you, okay, you've been watching Fast and the Furious. That yeah. is a complete non sequitur. Why the hell have you done this? Um, it turns out they're Tur- pretty good. To, to, man, to be fair, uh, I really liked one and two. But I was of the okay. age where tuner cars were cool when they mm-hmm. came out. Like, I remember going, when I grew up, I'm going to have a car with a spoiler. And I'm, it's going to have, like, uh, side <laughs> side skirts. And it's going to be great. And it's going to be painted in, like, that fluorescent stuff that we're... <laughs> we would light. not have been friends when we were 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And I, I remember there was, there was a girl. Uh, there was a girl in my, in my school who had, like, uh, the cool tuner car. And uh, I remember being like viscerally angry at the car because the parts list, from what I could tell, was just taken from Need for Speed, right? Like, <laughs> I was like, 
that's the legitimate same stuff that I have in my computer game. And like, I remember going up and inspecting the car and being all like, yeah, that's the same front bumper. And I was like, can you not be creative with this? God damn it. So I was a creative petrol head back in the day. <laughs> um, and now you're actively anti-car, aren't you? <laughs> I don't like cars whatsoever. I, I think cars are terrible and they, they should stop. And I, please don't, please don't email me. I know people are going to email me, but like, I love driving. It's like, I know that's, that's cool. That's cool. I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not into paying road tax and insurance and all of that extra cost in my life. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the first the first uh, two films. I really liked. Um, they were mad and they were crazy. And yeah, it was great fun. I hear that they've gone just stupid though recently. Like it's cars flying out of space shuttles and things like that. They, they haven't been in space yet. No, they, ha- I, they haven't gone <laughs> yes. that far. Yes. <laughs> um, so, right. First one, pretty good film. Like... It's it's pretty good. It's nothing incredibly special, but it's it's a decent action flick. And essentially, and this is this is explicitly what they were trying to do. It's a remake of Point Break. Point Break is a film from the early nineties starring uh, Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, where there's a load of surfers that are doing bank robberies, and they're being, as far as they can tell, they're being led by Patrick Swayze. So Keanu Reeves has to become a surfer. He's an FBI agent. He becomes a surfer and infiltrates them and hmm. like, but then he gets caught up with them and there's all this like loyalty and stuff. I haven't seen it in years and it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and Fast and Furious, the, sorry, The Fast and The Furious, the first one is just a remake of that with cars instead of surfers. Okay. Right. And you know, it's, it's, it's a perfectly decent cop film. Um, it's 53% it's not great. on Rotten Tomatoes. Say again? It's 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I'd say it's a bit better than that. Okay. Um, okay. Too Fast, Too Furious mm-hmm. is garbage. Is 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it's really, really bad. I, really, I, I remember liking it. Is that the one where they went to, like... Did they go to Japan? There was a hot pink Honda S2000 in it, if I seem to remember. I would not know what an S2000 looks like. Um, Here, man, just Google, Google Honda S2000. <laughs> S2000. Yeah, I seem to remember there being a hot pink one with, with decals coming from the back rear wheel because decals are really cool in the 90s. Uh, That's in the first one, apparently. Oh. No, 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 not a pink one. That's just a regular colour one. <laughs> a regular colour. A real colour. Yeah, Suki. Suki has one in, in the second one. Yeah. Yes! Get yeah. in, Edgar. Um, and then okay, so the third one is unrelated to the previous two, right? And okay. takes place in Tokyo. And uh, people slayed it. It's a good film. Thirty-seven percent. Thirty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I I strongly disagree. I strongly disagree. It's a solid film. It's the the, the thing about it is right. The driving is actually fun to watch in that one. In the other two, the driving was boring and annoying and not interesting. <laughs> Okay. They actually they start shooting the driving sequences really well in the third one. Um okay. that's what I thought. And I thought it was it was a straightforward, doesn't have any pretensions about itself, and there's an absolutely amazing because it's all about the drift scene in in Tokyo. Mm, Tokyo there's an absolutely, drift. Yeah, exactly. Who knew? <laughs> um, what's what's the really famous um like pedestrian crossing place in Tokyo? 
there's a famous pedestrian crossing. Oh, you you'd recognize it if you if you Shibuya Station, I think maybe. Hold on, is that the Google place? Shib- is that the place where loads of people go uh, almost in cosplay to hang out? No. Okay. Uh, spell sh. Uh, S H I B U Y A. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, jeez, that looks like absolute chaos. Holy. Holy moly! What are they? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's there. There's a scene where in in one of the in one of the chase scenes, uh, they drift through that like as there's a load of people crossing the road and the crowd parts, and it's just it's a brilliantly shot scene. It's it's amazing. It, it's so like visually impressive. Um, so that's really good. Like I'm not I'm not going to go through all of them and rank them, but um, what I love about it is. It gets progressively more ridiculous from the fourth film. From the fourth, from Fast and Furious, which has twenty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Again, I would give it a bit higher. It's not as bad. It's it's better than two. It's it's definitely better than two. <laughs> so from so from Fast and Furious, not to be confused with the Fast and the Furious, and yeah. it gets progressively more ridiculous. Okay, continue. Yeah. Um. So the premise of the very first film, as I said, it's it's a cop infiltrating this group of criminals or people he thinks is a group of criminals. And what the crime is in the first one is ripping off DVD players. They're hijacking lorries and stealing DVD players and TVs and stuff, right? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was weird. Even at the time, it was kind of like, DVDs? Really? Well, DVD like, players. <laughs> or like, would, would you not just like hijack some, like a... Um... What you call the the vans that transport the money? Uh, the vans, yeah, security vans, security yeah, vans. Yeah, yeah. would you not Secure hijack door. them? They have money in them. It's way easier than DVDs. DVDs also way higher risk though. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, anyway, yeah, continue. So that's that's what the first film is about. By the seventh film, I haven't seen the eighth film yet. I watched the seventh film last night. By the seventh film, they're rescuing kidnapped spies and. Like getting involved in in like international terrorism in their cars. They, they they start off driving kind of you know decent regular cars, you know tuned up ones and you know ones for street racing. In the seventh film, there is one car that costs millions, literal millions of dollars. Uh, do you know what this car is? Uh, hold on, I'll I'll check. Uh, F seven supercar. It's the Lycan Hypersport. Yeah. Like, I love I love the escalation involved there. They start off ripping off DVD players, and, <laughs> like, they're, they're stealing millions of dollars by the fifth film, and from then beyond, it, like, it just gets, it gets completely absurd. And I love it. It's, it's, a, it's a really, really entertaining series. Hmm. And do you know what the last film's about? I haven't seen it yet, but I know there's a submarine in the trailer. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> they started <laughs> off stealing DVD players. <laughs> oh man! Um, you know, I've actually, I've actually considered watching them again because I know The Rock is in them, isn't he? The Rock is in it from the fifth one. Yeah, um, he's he's okay in them. He has a couple of ropey action or ropey acting moments. Yeah, um, man, I love The Rock because of that. He can't really act, but he's great and he's really fun. <laughs> and he's he's just got so much charisma. He does. He's a really... Well, what do you think about the idea that uh, The Rock might run for president? I think that's terrible. Do you not notice it needs someone 
who is just the like how much does the president actually need to be good at this job like because trump's surviving like no one he has not yet got assassinated or booted out like maybe it's a thing that you just need a charismatic person and then all the like henchmen in in the wings of the white house do all the actual work and you just talk the rock would be really good at talking man (laughs) Yeah, but he also, I mean, I don't think he would have much to say on the legislative agenda because he's not a career politician. Or he's got no political, like, uh, experience. Okay, alright. I'm with you a lot. Like, I am... I just and, think, also, and also, the, the, demands, the demands on the president's time would be such that The Rock wouldn't be able to work out all the time anymore, and that would be a disaster. That, that would he be wouldn't a disaster. be super huge anymore. That would be a disaster for everyone involved. Yes. Because the fact that The Rock is super huge is one of like the best things about him. Because he's really huge. He's quite big. He's quite he large. Is a, like, have, have you seen, have you gone back and seen what he looked like as a wrestler? I, I mean, I, I used to, I watched, somewhat recently, I watched his first fight. Where he was like, oh, what was he called? Like Rocky Balboa or something? No, that's the... <laughs> uh, no, he had a, he had, boxer. A, he had another name. He was dressed in blue. Uh, Rocky Mavia. Yeah, Rocky Mavia. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, like if you go back and look what he lo- look at him when he was wrestling, say in like the late nineties, he looks like a little baby compared to what he looks like now. <laughs> like, and he was a terrifying dude then, but now he has like I think they invented extra muscles for him. He's massive. <laughs> he fed an extra muscles. Yeah, he's he's very very large. He's very very large. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 I'm glad you're watching Fast and Furious. That's class. I, I I have one more. I have one more thing to say. Yes, go for it. It's essentially, and this is, I I don't know if this counts as a, as a, a hot take or not. It might be. It might seem kind of obvious, but I'm gonna I'm gonna delve into it a little. It's essentially the Grand Theft Auto film series. Uh, as in, like, like as in the games. It is the film series to accompany the games. More or less. Like, they're, they're pretty much doing the same thing, in that both heavily about cars. But the way that they're really similar is in the escalation. Because if you've ever played any Grand Theft Auto, like, you start off as a kind of a small-time crook, for the most part. Maybe a little bit less so in GTA V, because you, there's the kind of backstory with Michael and everything. That's not relevant. Um... You, like you start off small time and you you know you beat up some drug dealers and you steal a few cars and maybe you do a few street races, but always in the course of the game you get involved with some kind of law enforcement. Or I think at GTA Five you're you're essentially you end up uh, being handled by the CIA, mm. and it gets like progressively more ridiculous. Where by the end of the game you have like a huge mansion somewhere, you have ridiculous technology and you have ridiculous cars. And you're no longer just like stealing cars or whatever. You're like you steal tanks or you steal planes, and you're you're doing much higher scale things. So ah. in in the way that the the film series progresses, the film Fast and Furious progresses, it's essentially following the serial escalation that you get when you play the Grand Theft Auto games. I see where you're coming from. I would be inclined to say that I think. Grand Theft Auto is a little bit more rooted in reality. Maybe that's because you get to see the progression. You get to see, you know, starting off with humble beginnings, you know, you just steal the car around the corner and whatever. And yeah. there's a, like, there seems to be like a logical progression. 
that leads you to the point where you're stealing planes or jumping out of planes or whatever. Whereas I get the impression with the Fast and Furious films, albeit I've only seen two, uh, that it's kind of like it's just it's just crazy. It's just crazy. There's no there's no we don't know how the people got here. Uh, really, it's just everything's all crazy um, and less rooted in reality. I don't know. It it felt like a fairly logical progression to me as I watched them. Yeah, I'm talking about more like internally in the movies. Like uh, when I watched the first one, it was always just kind of like, like everything is this bonkers way because it is. Whereas in Grand Theft Auto, you start off with everything not being this bonkers way and you build up to it. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. I don't know. You, your your theory your theory is is good. Uh, I just I'm not sure I 100% agree. Oh yeah, um, it's it's not like exactly the same. Grand Theft Auto is a lot more nihilistic, a lot more kind of amoral, whereas mm, in mm. in Fast and the Furious, there's a big emphasis, especially kind of the second half of the series, on family, yeah, and yeah. loyalty and stuff, which is yeah. is less obvious and or is less of a thing in in the games, in the Grand Theft Auto games. Uh, what's your favorite Grand Theft Auto? I didn't get to play that much of five because my laptop won't run it well, but I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed what I did play of it. Hmm. Um, I liked the I liked the different characters, um, and I I thought it struck a good balance between giving you kind of narrative freedom and giving a strong backstory. I mean, that's something that's very difficult to do hmm. in in those kind of open world games, um, kind of sandboxy ones. Um, they're either kind of too open or they're railroady. It's it's a hard act to it's hard to strike the balance, but yeah. I thought I thought GTA Five did a good job in it. Uh, so possibly that. Um, I really enjoyed Four as I played it, but I wasn't that compelled by the by Nico. I didn't find Nico that interesting a character. It was mm. just like he's come to America to. Sorry, have you played Four? No. Okay, well you're like a you're a Russian or Eastern European immigrant. I don't I'm not sure if they ever exactly specify where you're from. Um, who who goes to Liberty City and you're kind of trying to start a new life and leave leave behind the the violence of your past is kind of what they say you're doing, but then you get straight into criminality like right away, and it it's kind of felt like they just said that you were you were trying to get away and you never actually hmm. play trying to get away. Um, Vice City is cool, like it's it's got the '80s thing, it's all right, um, and. San Andreas, I do really like San Andreas actually because it's I love that era. I love like the early nineties California thing. Um, but I, I I have to say probably five. I mean, just five is just really well put together. I thought. My yeah, my favorite would would be five because I it the the commentary in it, um, like just driving around listening to the radio was like such cutting satirical commentary commentary on on America basically, uh, contemporaneous America. That was mm-hmm. just, it was just a joy to behold, um, and it was yeah it was witty and insightful and cutting and it was great, um, both like yeah that would I think that would be my best one but like three uh, was the only one of the series that felt really gritty to me like I really felt like I was a mobster like I really felt like this was like the city was a dark dirty disgusting place filled with evil people. Um, that I just didn't get in in all the other ones. They all seemed too bright and happy, especially Vice City. Right. Um, uh, so I, it's it's 
it's it's Grand Theft Auto Five for me, uh, but followed by a really close second three. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyhow, um, anything else to add on all this, or should we wrap it up at what does my little recorder say? Two hours and twelve minutes. Yeah, I've got one fifty nine. So, um, yeah, will we will we leave it there? So we will. Yeah, let's leave it there. Uh, Bill, as always, thank you for talking to me. Edgar, uh, as always, it's been a pleasure. Hey, uh, listeners, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for to the Patreons for supporting the show and making it all possible. Oh, <gasps> Bill! What? No, stop, stop the record. Bill, sorry, we, we can't stop recording. I can't believe I forgot this. Bill, we got our first bit of artifacts of mail. Holy f- Did we? I can't, I... Yes! Okay, we need to keep going. Hold on. Um, This might, I might put this at the start, okay? So, wait, let me just pry this open. So we got our first bit of artifacts mail. I don't know who this is from because it doesn't say. Um, and the the company uh, that ships my mail from the UK uh, have covered it in stickers. So there's no name on this whatsoever. But I do know that this thing comes from LA. Um, I'm not going to give the address. Just it comes from LA. So that's class. It has flown halfway around the world to us. Um, nice. It, there is inside... Uh, there is a little card that says priority mail, which is kind of cool, uh, and a card that says thanks, Edgar. Um, and uh, what's this? This is a receipt of a thing. And then inside is a... Uh, I'll paint a picture first and I'll send you a picture. Uh, I'll paint a word picture first and I'll send you a picture. Uh, inside is a small plastic pocket, right? Closed mm-hmm. on three sides, open on one, and inside said plastic pocket is a $1 bill. A okay. United States of America $1 bill that is, for all intents and purposes, a normal bill, except that where, is it George Washington is meant to be? Whoever the dead president is, it has been, uh, th- there's a new picture been placed in that place, and it's Napoleon. Napoleon <laughs> is in the middle. And then... I d- <laughs> Yes! <laughs> and yeah, and his name is written there. And like on further inspection, clearly this person has stuck a picture of Napoleon on top. But it took me a while. I was like, did they get this custom made? And I held it up to the light and was like, holy cow, all the correct watermarks in here. Like we have some fraudster in in the uh, in uh, in artifacts here, but no, it's just it's just stuck on. So despite the fact that the mail says thanks, Edgar. Uh, this is clearly a bill thing. So what I might do, Bill, is I might send this down to you, or bring it down to you Christmas or whatever. And you, uh, if you want it, you can you can hold it because uh, I am not the one who has a timeless, ageless love affair with with Napoleon. That would be you, sir. Oh my God! Can you send me that photo? I will. Let me take a picture. Hold on. Uh, where's my phone? My phone is in my pocket. That's what do you think? Class. Isn't that class? <laughs> that is very class. It's so good. It's so cool. Oh, so good. Uh, so yeah, I will. I will definitely. Uh, listener, don't 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 take offense at me uh, sending this away. But clearly, this is a Bill thing. This is. Um, thank you so much for your thanks to me. But this this needs to go to Bill if he's willing to have it. This needs to be housed. That's in, so good. In in Bill's shrine to Napoleon. <laughs> Uh, for uh, anyone else who would like to send stuff please do send stuff because this is actually really fun uh, receiving things it's really really cool um, I will uh, like last time I'll leave a 
um, I'll leave the address, my sort of PO box thing in, in the description. And please send us any and all mail. Uh, we would love to receive it. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Oh, we're really, right. really pleased by that now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, yeah. So uh, let's let's leave it there, shall we? Let's leave it there. Thanks, Bill. Thanks so much for uh, doing the podcast with me. Uh, thank you. It's a pleasure as always. Thanks to the listeners for listening and thanks to all the wonderful Patreons for making this happen. We will see you post the next video. Talk to you very soon. Edgar out. Edgar out. Thank <music> you.